so last year we had our highest day. Black Friday was our highest day, uh, almost $2 million in that one day. Are we ready to roll? Can we roll? Bro, you got to take that hat off, though. I can't see you. All right. I was just trying to... I wanted to wear a costume of sorts. Oh, there. I, I can see you like that. a little bit more spicy. Yeah, you're good like that. I couldn't see your eyes. Do, um, I, uh, do you have an ice bath? Yeah, I have a cold... Have you not jumped in our cold tub? So is it called Cold Plunge? Yeah, the coldplunge.com. I have one, too. And what is your opinion of it so far? I like it. I like it. I use it about twice a week. I use it Monday morning for coffee. It's basically my wake up thing, and then I'll use it Wednesdays after a workout. Uh, what's interesting though, there's a book I think called Endurance. Yeah, I love that. And they movie. basically I love said, that book. There's a book, and I think what they said was that scientifically it doesn't do anything. Yes, and so that's why I have like a problem with cold plunge, which is the actual product is amazing. Like if you want to be cold, that it's a good one. It stays like 39 degrees all the time, but it doesn't. I'm almost certain that it doesn't do anything. And some people say it impacts your brain if it does anything, but like there's still even conflicting research on that. I think the big thing that I like about it is that it makes me feel tough. Yeah, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good about myself. I'm like, Noah, you're not tough, man. You're weak. And I don't know. I don't really have that self-talk in my head, but I go into this thing and I was like, do do 10. And then when I'm about to get to 10, I'm like, you could do 15. And then I I just feel proud of myself. How long do you sit in And then I get out and I'm like, um, it varies maybe like a minute. Two minutes? Dude, I did five minutes at 39 degrees, and it was incredibly painful. That's what it said online to do. So I did it, and I was just like, I was legitimately in pain. Like uh, like a, like more pain than I've ever felt just through exercise. How'd you feel about yourself? I felt tough. I felt, I felt tough. Yeah, so like I understand why it works, but I'm still looking for like peer-reviewed research that shows that it works, and I've not found it. And so that's why I was asking how you thought about your cold plunge. Cause I heard you had the same way. I got to jump in here because I'm, I'm a cold plunge spokesman. They're the one sponsor for my podcast. So I got to, like, Oh wow. For their honor here. So the thing I'm saying the, the cold plunge product, we're, we're both it's supporting awesome. it. I have it too. But here's the thing. Here's where you're wrong though. The, the thing that you're right about is there's no research that shows that it is good for recovery. And that's what everyone says they use it for yeah. is recovery. And that's just like not accurate that it's, it's actually better to use heat therapy for recovery than cold, but like some of the brain stuff, there is like more, uh, research there as well as like, um, some of the other benefits around, um, like, uh, mood and, um, like, like, have you heard of this brown fat cell storage stuff like that? Yeah, but it. Yeah, I hear you. I think it kind of works. I'm still, I still need to be convinced. I, it's like, it's like a workout. The way to think about it is like it's a workout for your nervous system. Like it improves a lot of stuff that way, but it's just not good for recovery. I guess I would actually pitch the opposite, Sam and Ben. Where lately I've been really into baths. That's just like been my go-to. So like I have, I throw, I got these bath bombs, got a little CBD in it. I'll, I'll light a candle. And then I'll either put on a podcast or I'll read. But that lately, I mean, men, especially men, because women have gotten they knew about this. They just didn't want to tell us. Uh, But like I literally just came from a pedicure. If men are not pampering themselves, look, if you're working hard, I'm saying if you're like putting in the work, you're working out, you're doing the stuff at the job, like take a little time for that R&R, man. Go jump in a bath. A pedicure, though, is not relaxing at all for me. Like I don't want someone digging in my nails 
Gross. Can you see that red, white, and blue? Oh my god! Look, I, I did the I did the American flag. That's awesome. I don't know. It's it's honestly it's fun. We're living once on this planet. Have a good time. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. You know, finding a service solution that keeps your customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at that networking event. And HubSpot Service Hub can help. So with the service solution part, at least it makes it easy. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform. With an AI-powered help desk and a chatbot to handle your frontline tickets so you could scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. All right, let's talk about... Um, you came on last time. I personally thought the episode was only going to do okay. I'm telling you, I got tons of people that DM'd me. Ben says that people thought it was pretty good. I thought people thought it was great. But for this one, awesome, you have a list of one, two, three, like eight, eight bullet points. But there's a ton of ideas here. Um, oh, and we and also people criticized me because I didn't introduce you. So this is Noah Kagan. Noah runs this company. He founded it and is now the CEO of AppSumo. It's like Groupon for nerds. It's quite large. I think last time you said 80-ish million in revenue. Uh, and Mitchell just said you guys now have 165 employees. That's amazing. And you also do a, uh, content. So you, you have a sick blog called OK Dork, which I've read for like 10 years. And you have your YouTube, which now has 250,000 subscribers, I think, right? Almost 300,000, man. It's, it's unbelievable. YouTube.com slash OK Dork. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That's sick. Uh, and I remember you doing it years ago, just like on your phone. And it was kind of lame. It wasn't lame. It was just like you weren't trying. <laughs> and then like you started trying two years ago, I think, right? Yeah, that was a, it was an interesting journey. When COVID hit two years ago, I was just shirtless at home with my iPhone. And I was like, I just felt good about what was going on. And I felt like I could help. And so I just started recording on my phone and uploading it. And so, you know, and all the people that are listening to your show, a lot of them want to start businesses. It's like, just do now, not how, you know, something Mitchell and I talk about, which is just get going. So I just uploaded that. And from there now, there's a team of, I don't know, maybe six people will spend about half a million dollars on just the team this year. And, you know, from just me doing shirtless uh, in my house, talking about how to get your business going, your confidence. But uh, the and so the reason why you're able to spend why why you're able to lose money is because you are you, somehow it drives traffic and awareness to AppSumo, which is like your main thing. But does the ad does the AdSense or the YouTube ad at all cover the cost? Actually, it just started. So what was fascinating? And by the way, a lot of people know me because I worked at Facebook, I worked at Mint.com. Um, so that's a little bit of what people heard about me. So this year, let me just pull up our stats right now. So the first. Last year we spent, I mean, I think around 400k. Uh, I can look how much we made. So just last getting it year, going, really. Just getting it's an investment. Yeah. It's like a lot of these things. Fortunately, we had AppSumo as our our bankroller. Last year on AdSense, we made 121 thousand dollars, 840. In year one. In our year first hardcore year of having that's a team around, good. I yeah. think that's really good. It's surprising. This year is actually. But here's the thing. This is going to blow your mind. And I think this is a really kind of good, good lesson for business. We put out 849 videos. Three of them basically generated all this money. Which ones? Isn't that kind of one that's sad? That either A, we suck at making videos. <laughs> or B, you know, a lot of businesses, you keep going, keep I going, think, keep going, keep going. Don't, aren't all the channels like that, though? I think it's a lot of business, like a power law distribution. It's like a few things do a lot of the significance. So the three videos that made all of the money, the first one was I went and knocked on doors in Austin. We just released so that, asking right? Millionaires. We just released it, but that came out towards the end of the year uh, and drove a lot of our money. Uh, asking crypto millionaires how to invest 5,000 bucks 
and then asking NFT millionaires how to invest a thousand. More or less, those three videos uh, made us the year. But, and that was after 100 and almost 50 videos. That's crazy. Do you, um, do you, so do you think you'll surpass your 500,000? Do you think you'll break even on AdSense this year? Yeah, our goal is not that. Our goal is around a subscriber growth. But this year, I think we'll lose the budget wise. It looks like we'll lose around $200,000. Just depends how ads do, but I'm basically not not really optimizing around that. That's crazy. I uh, I did a call with this lady who has a bunch of YouTube channels, and she was telling me it's um, her and a six person team. I can't say her name, but she said that they're doing a million dollars a month in profit from YouTube, just YouTube. Yeah, it's crazy. Just YouTube. Are you guys? I think the thing with YouTube, YouTube is slept on. Same. I mean, TikTok is another one. It's a different type of audience. Uh, but you guys have upped your your YouTube game yourselves. I feel like almost every business out there, or if you are broke and you are in any country in the world and you have nothing to do, this is the easiest, freest business anyone can so start. So I just signed up to monthly.com has this course with Casey Neistat. Uh, did you see that? So Casey Neistat has no. a course where every day he gives you a lesson on YouTube videos. And I bought it for like $300 and I'm loving it. It is really, really cool. What if, What are some of the takeaways? Well, so it's only three days in. And so, but like in the first or second lesson, he just walked around his office. He goes, I'm going to show you how I find cool stories. And he's just walking around and he goes, oh, that's a cool idea. You guys hear that beeping? That's a truck backing up. And that ruins, like it makes it really hard for me to record throughout the day. I'm just going to make a video on that. Or he'll walk by um, a guy selling fake Louis Vuitton purses. And he goes, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's create a video on how to buy a fake purse in New York City. And so he's just like walking down the street, coming up with ideas. And you're like, look, I'm going to create. These are just small, silly ideas, but I'm going to execute them really well. So in the next series, he's going to show us how he's actually going to execute these small ideas. That is awesome. Kind of cool, right? I love that you're still learning. Well, no, I mean, I, I think people assume that once you get to certain sizes like you, I would assume you don't. But I love that you're still curious and you're exploring how to improve your craft. Yeah, I, well, I don't know anything about video. I've been making videos for my own YouTube just for fun, but I'm trying to learn. Um, so anyway, it's a cool, it's a cool course. It was only like $300. Yeah. I mean, it it is kind of crazy when you think about the things we spend on and the potential value upside you can get out of it. Like the downside, you lost 300, the upside, I mean, how much could this make you or, you know, also from an enjoyment level. Well, And I was like, I I can use the stuff that I'm learning just in the podcast. I think. How much, like, what have you noticed or observed in in your own YouTube channel? I know for my first million, you definitely, you guys have been looking to grow it. It seems like a few things are. I think what I've learned is that like things that like don't seem like big ideas, but that can be kind of boring, uh, can do really well. So for example, I bought the house, the lot next to me and I just like film a video. I'm like, here's just a, here's a video of the house and I'm just walking around my iPhone. Here's why I think it's, it could be a good investment. Here's why it might be a bad investment. And I just posted that on my personal channel and I, I didn't have any subscribers. Oh, I sent you that video. Uh, and it, yeah. uh, it got like three, four 5,000 views, but like a lot of comments. And I was just amazed that people cared. It was my first video. I was amazed that people care about little things that are small, that are part of your daily life that you don't really think about. And so I think what I'm learning with Casey, when I'm learning with my stuff is that small stuff that you think about throughout the day, more likely than not, a lot of other people think about that and they'll find it interesting enough to, to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, yeah, I've always, I always think about that with restaurants where they sell their cookbooks. Like people want to see what happens in the kitchen and you'd be surprised what people want to learn. Yeah, so anyway, it's a cool course. Uh, you want to talk about mud water? 
I do in a second. One other thing I'm curious is what have you noticed? Because I think, I don't know, this is what I'm curious about as well. What have you noticed about the YouTube channel versus your TikTok channel in terms of the audience and the growth and the experience? Oh, so let me tell you about the TikTok thing. So I have a TikTok, but I don't actually like post on it. I mean, I did once or twice, but like it has no views. So we did this thing. I was texting you about this. We did this thing where on the podcast, like three weeks ago, we said, we're going to give $5,000 to maybe at least one up to three people. And it's going to be a combination of if we like your videos and how many views they have. And we told people to go to our YouTube, chop up the videos and post it. So far, the hashtag that we asked people to use has gotten 30 million views in three weeks. Yeah. 30 million views. Sounds too easy. Go on. So these kids, it's mostly like these like 19 and 20 year olds, like one kid in college at, at Michigan. He um, is one of the guys. And I just started talking to him and they create he created a handle called like MFM minis and he started posting our videos and he like would animate them and he has gotten multiple videos over a million views and you know, fat fire. Yeah. I made a podcast where I talked about how much I love fat fire, the subreddit, which I found through you. And he uh, made a video about that and it got so many views that Fatfire made an announcement on their subreddit that said we've been overwhelmed with new applicant or new subreddit people, and we got thirty thousand people in one day, all from the TikTok video where where me Sam Parr is talking about Fatfire. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. That I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, that's wild, man. So do you think most businesses should try to do this TikTok stuff? Or no, I don't. I, not most, but definitely some. Right now, of everything that I've seen, it's the fastest way to grow an audience. For sure. Without a doubt. Yeah, I guess I've always I, I've been hesitant because the quality of the audience in terms of, the young. of engagement. Yeah, well, it's not even just the young, right? The young is the future to some extent. But it's like YouTube, I feel like the quality of the people that are like really into it and they're available during your newsletter, they want to comment. And I feel like TikTok is just kind of consumption. I think that YouTube is much higher quality. I uh, I think podcasts, like for a long time, even though we like my whole life was podcasting, I was like, I would shit on it. I'm like, this is not that cool. And uh, now I've changed because I'll see, I get recognized now like three or four times a week. And it's because they like listen to my voice for 45 minutes. They like think that they know you. And so they built, they, people get kind of intimate with you. Yeah. So it's, do you get recognized from YouTube? I got recognized. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, sometimes. I, I love it, man. I mean, the whole part of the journey is that like, uh, I was, this weekend I went to a squash tournament. The Houston I saw squash that. That was Open. hilarious. And uh, it was because this guy watches, you know, Zapsumo.com. He's watched some of the videos. And, and I was, I was during the pedicure day, I was one, one of the guys from our company. And I was like, man, that's why I do social media to some extent. It, like it really provides a cool magnet and window. I don't know if it's a window, but a way to just like connect with really interesting people. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Like even if it's that, not money, like it's a great thing. Yeah, I think it's badass. So I'm going to continue to do it. Can I, um, you, so basically Noah has this sheet that he sent me and it's got a, a list of a ton of things. Can I just read off and ask questions? I actually want to ask you about Chrome extensions because 
they're like I'm like nerding out on Chrome extensions right now. Have you ever even made one? I've bought one. So we have one right you now. You have one. So yeah. on here, so I tweeted out. So this is a mutual friend of ours, by the way, but I can't say who it is. They were considering buying a company and it was a Chrome extension and it was two people who were doing $25 million a year in sales with their Chrome extension. Um, it's pretty crazy. And then Grammarly, you know Grammarly? Yeah. Grammarly, I think, is like a $20 billion company at this point. Grammarly does like $800 million in revenue. That is why I like these sleeper ones that people kind of just like don't really Dude, Grammarly is the best, man. It started by this guy named Max, who's I think he's from like the Ukraine and he's a lives in Canada and he's a he's a hardcore engineer. And I asked him at HustleCon the backstage like that they, they had not, they had bootstrapped it and they raised a funding. Uh, they raised one hundred million dollars at a billion dollar valuation. And I, and I was with them backstage and I was like, dude, that's amazing. So you're like almost a billionaire now. He goes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like the business is way bigger than 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 no. And he like he like smirked, but he was real low key. He's like, yeah, it's cool. The business is way bigger than most people realize. Like it's gonna be huge, uh, and it was awesome. So Grammarly is a good business. What what's your Chrome extension? Leo dot io. What's it do? So it's kind of similar to that Momentum one, which I think is pretty popular. It's the main one when you open up a tab, it has like a nice background. I think that taking a step back on these Chrome extensions, I think what's interesting. Um, about your tweet, which was like, this Chrome extension make 25 million or these, is what are things that not everyone else is, is paying attention to that you can acquire for not a market rate? Like, I think ultimately that's how you can have a lot of success in business, but that's specifically for, for marketing, a lot of what I look for. Um, so when we launched sumo.com, I actually bought probably about 5 million installs, I think give or take 5 million installs of WordPress plugins. So I bought like some of the most popular WordPress plugins around. No way, which ones? Uh... I mean, I have to pull up our list now, but the biggest one was Google Analytics. So it was like one. a million person yeah, install. Yeah, so it was Google Analyticator. Uh, we bought WP Fonts. We bought uh, Construction Page. So basically Dude, what I, I did is Dude, I used WP Fonts. I used a bunch of those. Yeah, so we scraped the the thing that it's not just copying this because now people are more aware of it. Um, but what you're looking for is like, one, can you get structured data? So we went to the WordPress directory and you could get all their rankings. So I got all the rankings and then I sorted it by ones that were not updated recently. So I said, which ones had the most installs that no one's taking care of? And I would just email them and say, hey, you haven't taken care of it. Uh, I'll pay you for it. And because there's not a market for it, you can get a cheaper price. And then I just sent a blast email to a lot of these people and picked up millions of installs. And that drove a significant amount of Sumo.com. Did you even pay more than six figures for any of them? For the Google Analytics one, they had a million installs. I paid 100k. Wow, that's crazy, isn't it? Th- that was the most expensive one. I I, I could pull up my price. Could that on could these, that but... Google? So if, for the people listening, WordPress. If you don't use Word, I mean, WordPress is used by like three fourths of the internet or half of, half of like the top ten thousand websites, and they have this like crazy um, database of all types of apps that you could plug use for, or plugins. It's amazing. And Sumo was a email capture plugin. Yeah, I found our list. We had a lot of I bought all in one favicon, just a bunch of random ones. Um, and then we would rebrand them and then cross promo to sumo.com within WordPress. Um, and I was thinking I would do the same. And the thing was, is there, there's not like um, these websites where people are buying and selling them. And a lot of these guys weren't monetizing. It was just hobbies. And so I think in marketing and business, you got to look for something that's a problem that other people haven't identified. And that's also why I bought the Chrome extension. I bought it for, I think, 20, I bought it for 25,000 for 40,000 installs, uh, active installs on Chrome. But with that one, we could not monetize it at all. 
we tried like paid features. We tried ads to it. We tried to grow it. Uh, and we were not as successful. So I, I pretty much lost almost all the money on that one. How much, what's the CPM on ads for a Chrome plugin? Do you know? I don't remember what it was, but it was abysmal. And it wasn't something that we were able to grow dramatically like I thought we could. Like the WordPress stuff was really cheap. Like we were getting that stuff super cheap back in the day. That's crazy. There's this guy. Like I think there's this guy who I bet you know, who you definitely know. I think his name's Syed. What's his name? Syed. Uh, his last mm. name starts with a B. Uh, Syed Balki. And he owns this thing called Awesome. What's it called? It's, it's called Awesome Corp or something. He owns WP Beginner. He's like the WordPress underground mafia. He owns a lot of WordPress blogs. And let me and explain the story. The story that I know it as. So basically, he's only he's young. He's I think he's from Pakistan, and he's only like 28 or something or 29. And he started this thing called WP Beginner, which is a WordPress a site on WordPress. So if you like how to install blank on WordPress, he'll show up number one. It gets like five or 10 million uniques a month, a ton, a ton of uniques a month. And using his blogs, he would see which plugins would get the most install. So he would say like, here are all the best like. Uh, forms for WordPress, or here's all the best like font plugins for WordPress. And he would just see which are the best. He would buy the best ones and then just promote them extra hard on WP Beginner. And at this point, I bet you he makes $50 million a year on all of his WordPress stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I love these industries that like everyone's sleeping on. Like, I think the that WordPress stuff is really interesting. It probably is still a decent category. What's fascinating, though, is the other side of this, Sam. So I actually try to do the same strategy in Shopify apps. So I went over to Shopify and we were launching Sumo.com on Shopify. And I was like, man, I'll just go buy all these people over there. Uh, what was interesting was that a lot of the people on Shopify were a little bit more savvy and they had recurring revenue. So they were like, we want 10x the price where like 10x the price of their revenue where the WordPress plugins, they weren't really making money. So I was like, hey, I'll pay one cent for every active install you have. So I was getting them for very, very wow. cheap. But the Shopify ones, like I couldn't, I literally couldn't buy almost so any. So our friend, Andrew Wilkinson, bought a couple of them and he rolled them up and eventually took it public and it currently it's in it's public on the canadian stock exchange right now probably for 600 million dollar market cap it's called we commerce and they do like i think 30 million dollars a year in revenue just off shopify apps the shopify ecosystem was interesting i mean it's interesting if you can create something really easily and other people can copy you really easily um and then you don't control the payments it's, it was a whole wild experience in there because Shopify controls all the money. You don't. You have to wait for your your grandpa to give you your nickels uh, and they control the whole the whole thing. So we were like, let's get the hell out of this world. But yeah, WeCommerce looks like uh, 535 Canadian, which is what, like 100 million American? No, not that bad. <laughs> yeah, like well, what's the conversion of mop monopoly money to USD? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, it's, I think it's almost one-to-one. Um, what a... So are you bullish? On, you're into Chrome shit? Chrome plugins? I've pulled, nah, I'm not as excited about that. I think what's what's interesting is like, what are the areas that are either super early on uh, that like savvy people haven't gotten into? So like, for example, one of the older stories for me was Facebook newsfeed ads. So look for these ad channels or places that not a lot of people are like kind of all paying attention to. When newsfeed came out, no one was doing it and we went bonkers on it. And that was a huge driver uh, at AppSumo for a lot of our growth because it was just so much cheaper because not everyone... If you're paying, if you're playing in the market, you're going to pay market rate. And that's not how you're going to. What work. did you use to get clicks for on Facebook? Oh, man, let me pull it like up. Pennies. Or um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's pennies, but it's definitely like dollar email subscribers and then like low 10 figures for paying customers. And now I think AppSumo, I'd have to pull up our, our dashboard. 
but I mean, I think we're paying like $60 for a paying customer now. Dude, it's so expensive when we start. So we got to like 200,000 subscribers just through blogging. And then we started doing paid marketing. And I think we paid a dollar 50. Uh, when we sold, it might've been like $4. Uh, and if I had a guess now, I wouldn't be surprised if it's $6 to $8. Yeah, I still think there's opportunity. I mean, the opportunities are always there. It's just that you have to be creative and you have to look. So like for me, I was thinking about this recently. Like if I was trying to grow a newsletter, um, I probably would go try to sponsor like super micro people on TikTok and YouTube. Like these guys that are guys and girls that are like sub 10,000 subs. Like like if your your channel has like 966 subscribers, like you'd be a perfect person because you have like an engaged audience. You're super smaller. You don't know how much money you're supposed to be making. And the fact that I'm giving you attention um, it's kind of like what I did at mint.com. We've done this with AppSumo. Mitchell on our team is doing it with AppSumo currently. Uh, I think that's still a really affordable way. Uh, let me ask you about, a creative way to, to get a lot let of, let me growth. ask you about mint. So mint, you were like the, one of the first hires there, right? Yeah. It was number four. And mint eventually at the time it sold for like $120 million or $200 million, something like that. Right. Yeah. One and at the time that was considered massive. It's still a lot of money, but like particularly then it was like, it might as well have been a billion. And I loved Mint. It sucks now, though. Like, I don't like Mint. Totally. Why? What would you do differently if you were running the show now? <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, Aaron was running the show, to be clear, and he was really impressive. I got to give him props. When he started it, and I want to talk about this because I think your audience, I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think it resonates with your audience. Aaron worked alone in his room by himself for six months building a prototype. And then came out and convinced the world to come check out this product. And I just have a lot of admiration and respect for people like him. Like we have an intern, George. He's living in my guest I know house. I met him. He works. Did, didn't he, yeah, didn't he's he working, move from Miami? Or sorry, he Hawaii. He moved from Hawaii yeah. to live in, he was living in another room. His, his desk was an Amazon box. Right now his desk is my washer and dryer. That's awesome. Right. And he's like, I mean, the. The point is, I think with Aaron Patzer, as well as, you know, these people, as well as myself, I was living on floors, lived in my aunt's basement. There's something to be said for like the sacrifice and the the dream. And I, I have a lot of respect for Aaron and George and, you know, even back in the day with, with where I was at uh, getting all this stuff started. Uh, with Mint, I think, I mean, look at how big some of these, these finance, look at Plaid, right? So we used another company before Plaid was ever a thing. And Plaid is now 10 billion. I think some of the stupidest companies that are big that I, I don't get is like Brex or Ramp. They're like credit card branded companies that are like $10 billion. Wait, but why don't you understand that? It's pretty simple. They just convince you to sign up for the credit card and they split the 1% fee with MasterCard on all your spending. I know, but the fact that that's a $10 billion industry, I mean, it just kind of, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of value add, but it, it's almost similar to the Mint thing, which is they took a product that existed, which was this bank information and they, they printed it up. Um, so I think Mint could have been a much larger role. The VCs were definitely disappointed when Mint sold out. Um, I thought Mint was going to sell for that price. That's why I left early. Why? Why did you think it was going to sell for that price? Um, I thought the vision for it's always interesting to think about people's visions. Like Mark's vision at Facebook was always this big, and it's interesting to see different people and like how big they're thinking. And Aaron thought big, but it was like, hey, we're going to sell credit cards and we're going to sell people TurboTax. And I was like, okay, this at best scenario is going to sell for half a billion just in terms of how big that, that company could actually be. And I just did the math to think about, well, I own 1%. So max, I'll get $5 million pre-tax, which post-tax means I'll get $2 million. And I was like, well, I think, you know, in, in four years, do I, do I think I can generate $2 million for myself? And so I was willing to take that bet. Did, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting because I don't, I don't think that I think that 
big. I mean, I would say like most people would think one five hundred million dollars is a pretty big exit. What would what could he have done differently to think bigger? I mean, what what would a bigger example be? And so let me let me be clear. I don't care. Like, I don't care what people's visions are, per se, and everyone should have whatever dream they want. Like, if your dream is to make 5000 a month or 500 a month, or I'm not hating on anybody's dream. Um, it was just, I think there's, look at how, many, how big fintech space is today, right? Like, Plaid alone just almost got bought by Visa for $7 billion. Uh, you have Robinhood, which is, whatever, $15 billion. So what Mint did, which was really interesting, was it acquired a lot of customers really cheap. I think if they didn't sell out to Intuit as early, there would have been a lot of different avenues that they could have parlayed uh, this audience of young people who are interested in personal finance into a lot of different avenues. Um, at the same time, though, dude, if someone came to you and you're, you know, you did take that, you did, did. take it, which is a good thing, too. Like, well, was he hey, wealthy? You can make. No. How old was no. he? I mean, he was definitely educated, but he had a chance to cash out. I think he cashed out 30 to 50 million bucks. And I honestly, I think he, he like moved to some like remote area in New Zealand and he's just living there now. Yeah. Well, he started like a ambul ambulance company, like a software for ambulances or something like that. But like Aaron, he's a creative guy. He actually tried to start a, uh, an, a sky subway system. That's crazy. So like in cities, like in Austin, instead of like having an underground subway, it would be an, an air based subway. And I was like, yeah, he's just crazy creative. Like. But look, I think everyone's got to figure out what it is they want their own life to be like. There's no bad or worse selling out stuff. Uh, I guess lately I've been just thinking about like with this one period of time we have here on Earth, like how interesting do we each want to make it? Yes, but I will to play devil's advocate. It's also how hard do you want to grind? So like, do you want to like because I think that in order to make in order to make cool shit, I can't decide how I feel at the moment, actually. For the longest time, I was like, hmm. dude, in order to make something huge and something amazing, you got to just lock yourself in a room for like three years. Like you just have to grind. Now, my thinking is, I think you actually only need to do that early on and then you can somewhat let up. So w where's your opinion on that? Do you have to grind like all the time in order to make something happen? Or do you think that you can you could have a little bit more balance? Because if you have to grind all the time, that's just exhausting. I only have that so many times in my life. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to think of different examples. Like for me, if you would have told me when I started AppSumo, like, hey, no, you'll be a millionaire, but it's going to take 10 years. I probably wouldn't have started. Sure. And most of the people that I've seen, like one of my buddies is now making eight figures as an investor. Um, it took him probably about 10 to 15 years to get to that place. And so the reality I've, I was thinking about today, like there's one of our guys who I, we got pedicures today. He's, he's on the sales team. And I was like, look, you can be as big of, of a life and a career as you want it to be. It's just like, what path do you want to take that on? And are you willing to, to put in the work? But I honestly, I think I kind of think the opposite, Sam. I don't I think of like what I'm doing with AppSumo and YouTube. It doesn't feel like a grind. Like I'm actually it, like your podcast, what you're doing now. Does this feel like a grind? Most of the time, no, but it, it doesn't feel great all the time. Like some days I'm like, oh, I don't feel like being happy. Like I'm in a pit. Like here's an example. Sean, my co-host who's out with COVID, he's late every single time. He's five minutes late every single time. Every once in a while, it'll put me in such a bad mood that I don't want to record. And on those days, I'm like, I fucking hate this. I don't want to do this. I got to like snap out of this mood and be in a good. And so anyway, it's not always fun. I, I, I mean, I think about my buddy, Adam Gilbert. It's like the times that you don't want to show up is when it counts. Like, I think about that a lot of times when I'm like, it's the things you're doing when no one else is watching that matters. And that's like going to the gym when no one wants to do it. Or like last night at 730, I didn't feel like doing a podcast. Um, but I'm, you know, 
It was like, okay, it needed to get done. And I think that, you know, that'll help you separate whether you want to get some of the things in life you want or not. Like, are you willing to sacrifice and for how long? And I, I think there, I, I don't know. I was thinking about this equation. Like, I wonder if there's a time, time sacrifice equals success equation. Plus a little bit of unhappiness. And if you could do that for some period of time, you'll get success. I think um, it's, it's the way that I, the question I ask myself is what am I willing to pay in order to achieve blank? So like, to me that that's like, what am I, what am, what's, what price am I going to pay in order to get to, to this particular goal? And I ask myself, am I willing to pay that price? And sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. So like at the current, at my current stage in life, it's, do I want to grind for a long time on a software company in order to achieve X amount of money? And I'm like, no, I don't want to pay that price at the moment. Maybe like in the future I would. And for sure when I was younger, I would, but not at the current point in my life. I think with all this stuff, it's better to be not to be naive and just get going. Well, just find the things that you're curious about. Like if it's, you know, your, your, your audio editor, Benji, and be like, look, I like making these audio shows. I'm just going to go for it. Or lately, you know, like I've been really enjoying AppSumo work. Um, or doing the YouTube stuff. And it's better to just not almost not think about it because I think you'll psych yourself out. Like one of the stories we were talking about on the sheet was like this mud water guy. Yeah. What and what this is guy that? just had like a dude, like this coffee? is a crazy Yeah. I mean, it's just stupid. It's basically Indian chai tea. You ever heard of Indian yeah. chai? Dude, it's delicious. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you have a really and, good um, video of I watched the video of you testing it out and I bought it because of that. Oh, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. And um I wasn't sponsored. It wasn't affiliated or anything. It was just this guy with one product, which I always find really fascinating. I think a lot of us get so excited to have like 18 business ideas, but Apple, Mudwater, uh, a lot of other people uh, are making a significant amount of money just with one thing. And so he was having a, I think he was at an agency, just a regular day job. And I, I think everyone should get a day job or get some basic income. Uh, and then he, I, I think what's fascinating was what's a problem you have and what's a big ass category. And like coffee is one of the biggest categories in the world. And so I, I love that he kind of said, all right, well, what's the angle against them? Uh, and he created his own version. Literally, I think buying products off Amazon and just mixing himself together. How's it going? He's not like now? some coffee. What's that? I think he's, I mean, last we heard it was a $60 million revenue, which revenue is always different than profit, as I'm sure you, you know. Uh, but it's just fascinating that he found one product line and did great branding and just really went hard on 60 that. $60 million is so much money. It makes 60, it does 60 million in sales. That's crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more. I, I think what, you know, when you're thinking about business ideas, number one, what's problems that we have ourselves? That's always just like the easiest way that I try to solve it for me. Like one problem I had recently, was like, I'm trying to be a doomsday prepper. Same. And I want like a doomsday, I want a doomsday prepper in a box. Same. Like I just, Dude, Bro, we so had a total had this, episode on that. Clearly you read Tucker Max's article. We had a total. I did see his I did see his article. This is I, this is a little bit before because we had our snow apocalypse. Same. And I'm looking uh, at generators already because I know it's. I'm afraid. It, like, yeah, I just got mine. Uh, what, did uh, what, how much did you spend? Like a thousand dollar generator? It was a thousand. That's what I'm thinking yeah. about getting too. Dude, those generators are not that strong. They only charge like four things. Like they can only be used on like four I, things I, at a time. <laughs> I'm just gonna basically have a generator to a tent, and then when the doomsday comes, just like come knock on my tent door. Dude, I would love uh, a doomsday <laughs> in a box. I'm so on board. The problem is, is that a lot of the doomsday stuff, they assume that you live in like the country. And I'm like, no, I need like the urban version of this. So like, tell me like, <laughs> how do I store water? How do I uh, like, like, should I have a gun? Or should I not have a gun? What type of generator? What do you use the generator for? All that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think coming back to what we're talking about, it's like with mud water and, you know, business ideas, 
it's just like one, just go to the things that you need help with. Right. And then just start thinking, all right, well, how, you know, how do I do that today? Right. So you, if for this doomsday idea to go hit up you, I'd hit up Neville, I'd hit up other friends in Austin and say, Hey, I'm starting to put together a thing. Do you want something like this and see if I can get anyone to buy into it before I start. And then from there, if that works, then maybe launch a Shopify site uh, or just start doing YouTube content around that. Yeah. You just wire cutter for the end of the world. <laughs> Honestly, that it's a huge category, especially like nowadays, like all the stores are out. I think people are a little bit more aware that that could happen. So we have this friend named Ryan Dice and Ryan Dice started Digital Marketer, which is like a pretty sizable business that does all types of stuff. And he owned a conference that he sold for a lot of money. But pre-pandemic, like two years before the pandemic, he owned a website called like Survival Something. Oh, yeah. It was I forget what it was called. And had he who would have known? But had he held on to it towards like COVID times, it would have been sold for so much more because now it's so much more popular. But he had this website and it it talked all about uh, like article. It was basically articles and affiliates on like which flashlight to buy, like for the end of the world. And I'm almost positive that he sold it for around the eight figure range. That's bonkers. You remember that site? What was it called? I, don't know, I guess I don't remember the exact thing. Survival something. something. I remember seeing it. I'm like, ah, oh, that's shady. Me too. I thought but that it was too. Just, it wasn't. But now I want it. Yeah. It wasn't shady. It was just I didn't understand it. I think sometimes I'll, I'll dismiss people or dismiss businesses about that. But I, I think coming back to like business ideas and like one person businesses, like I was thinking about the crypto space as well and or just all this stuff. It's like you don't have money and you can't buy it. You can always just document it. Just go review it. Like you said, it's like your idea. Be the wire cutter of these different categories. Be the TikToker or YouTuber or whatever that is. What's the best selling product ever for AppSumo? Oh, on a digital yeah. side? Dude, I'll also tell you another business idea I would love for someone to start. Um, I'm going to pull up our forever list. Hold on. I'm literally just I'm pulling up our back end. The top product of all time. And this is a shocker. Probably five. Yes. If you had a, or stickers. OK, Ben, do you have a thought? I have no guess. No, nothing. Maybe font. Right, let me see. Or your... some, something involved photos. Photos or fonts, maybe. There it is. So our top sell ever. Uh, so last year we had our highest day. Black Friday was our highest day. Uh, almost $2 million in that one day on Black Friday, which we paid out half of that, uh, at least half of that to creators, which is fucking wild. Um, the top product. Oh, this is interesting. Top product was a video editor. So a lot of video content. So if you want to get a video editing, and the second one was photos. What? I'm just looking up. What are stats. some other interesting trends? Like, oh, wow. Have you guys... Do you ever invest in companies just because you're able to look at the AppSumo stats? So that's something we've gone back and forth. Here's another, well, taking a step back, I know a lot of your people want, you know, to make their first million and beyond. Here's another product category, tools for agencies. But if you think about what, what that really is, so the, I can't say the product because it's his private numbers, but basically stuff to help agencies manage their project management. Yeah. Um, but the real thing well, here what, to think what, about what's a, for businesses. Uh, what's a tangential bit? What's a, another example that you, so like, um, so like, like basically I'm Asana for agencies. Yeah. Like ClickUp, like something like a ClickUp, like a ClickUp alternative. We have a lot of that on AppSumo. But anyways, the point that's interesting about that is, and this is, this actually surprised me when I came back to work at AppSumo is what are things that you can sell that help people make money? Well, our friend Neville uh, has, says it slightly <laughs> different. He says, well, cause Neville has a course and he's like, well, I sell this course and people like it. But like, really what I'm learning is like when someone gives me money for a course, I'm just putting them to work. And if you really wanted to make a lot of money, I would just do the work for them and charge them. Mm. Um, and, and that's how he explained it, which is similar. But uh, 
So what are some of the other top ones on AppSumo? Yeah, I'm looking them up. So, dude, the so one photos, stock photos is a sleeper. I, I'm shocked at how many people want like stock audio, stock photos, stock video. Secondly is video editing, which if you're not technical, that's probably harder to do. This is this is the area that like this blew up a lot last year and it's still going, which is all this GPT-3 auto content stuff. So auto ads, auto writing, um, so like copy.ai alternatives. Yeah, I'm an investor in copy. So we've promoted AI. Writer, Happy Scribe. Um, I'm looking up the other major ones around that. Those are just some of the, the ones that I'm just like shocked at how well they've done. But I mean, I think cool part about Sumo and like people should check it out is like there's a lot of new products that you honestly can just check out what's getting popular and then make some type of alternative or make training around those types Would of products. Would you ever invest in stuff based off the AppSumo data? Oh, um, you know, I've actually invested differently. So we've talked about this over the 11 years of the company, like, hey, they're doing well. Instead of us taking a, a split of the sales, what if we took equity instead? Um, and I would have liked, I mean, dude, think about this. We've promoted Hopin, their $8 billion. We've promoted Udemy, Mixpanel, Optimizely, MailChimp, Fresh. I mean, if we took some splits, it would have, uh, it'd be a different trajectory for our company, but it's just not something we've done. Uh, I do it differently. I invest in the companies, uh, that we use in our company. Sure. Like, uh, so like, uh, like, like what? Atlassian, I went and invested. So when we were building Shopify apps five years ago, I was like, I don't know if our Shopify apps are going to work, but I'll put $10,000 in Shopify stock when it just started. So if our apps suck, I think the Shopify thing will probably work. And that Shopify stock now is like 60K. Um, but Atlassian, HubSpot, I bought a lot of HubSpot stock once we started transitioning a lot of our team to HubSpot. But I, I think where I just think about it is like, where do I have an advantage or understanding that other people may not? Sure. Yeah, I. how many products have you guys promoted on AppSumo? Like hundreds or thousands? A thousands. I mean, we've been in 11 years. I think right now on AppSumo, we have 11,000 products. Um, yeah, it's definitely gone a little wild uh, as we become a software marketplace. That's crazy. But uh, 10,493 products. So when we, um, like years ago or a couple years ago, we had Zoom was one of our advertisers. And this was before they went public. And the ad crushed it. It was so good. And we were like, damn, dude, people love this product. They love Zoom. And we, I ended up buying stock right before or right at ipo and it like knocked it out the park i think there is like interesting stuff where you can where you can see like in, you you could see interesting information because you're like wp beginner because you're like app sumo because you're like the hustle and you could see inside of this stuff yeah it's like and for everyone out there it's like where do you have an advantage like where are you maybe you're, you're in discord all day so you know what the nfts are going to be popping maybe it's going to be out there on twitter world so you know like different stocks or different people that are talking about different things I think it's just finding some advantage or like area that you can get, uh, you know, a, an unfair competitive advantage. What other ideas interest you? I'm trying to think of it just like uh, the stuff lately. I mean, that's interesting to me is basically like three or four areas. One, I mean, I still think software is gigantic. What specifically? There's just so many. What specifically? Um, I mean, for me, content creation is definitely the area that I've spent a lot of time in. So like I would love software on like how do you figure out which topics are going to be popular? Like we spend, I don't know how many people hours, probably like 10 hours a week just to figure out which video to make each week. And so there's got to be a more uh, optimized way to do that. I think with AppSumo, it's the same kind of idea. Like we have a team of, I think, around four people that full time just try software all across the Internet. What? Their only job. Yeah, they're, they're called like LDRs. Like I don't even know what their titles are anymore. They don't tell me. Uh, but their little job is to like go to Product Hunt, 
go to Google, go to Twitter, go to all these like beta lists, go to all these different sites, try the different software all across the internet, and then see which ones are worthy to get, you know, blasted on AppSumo.com. And so that, that, that feels like that should actually be a software solution. So I think a lot of it is just like, what are the things we're doing manually that we could automate? So for me, topics is big. Finding products for AppSumo is big. Um, I'm super excited about, you know, I think a lot of people are crypto space. So uh, one of the things I'm looking for is like, how do you scrape Twitter and Reddit and find the new next thing before everyone else? So kind of like a Google Trends or like a discovery thing for these crypto NFTs. How do you do that now? I don't. Got it. I mean, it's just too hard manually. Right now, what I do is that I text my friend who basically just spends 16 hours a day doing NFTs. I'm like, which one are you buying? So like a few days ago, I bought a hippo. Did it work? Did I tell you about that? I bought a, a $5,000. Was it? How much was it? How much did I spend on that? I think I no. It was only almost two thousand dollar hippo, but it's part of a casino. So if you, as the casino makes money, if you own one of the NFTs, you get a cut of the casino rake. So Sean, it feels like a scam to me. Sean created an email list the other day, and he called it the Milk Road. And I don't know, I don't know if it's daily or if it's weekly, but Sarah's been getting it and loves it, and it's all about crypto. And he tries to talk about like the latest and greatest from a trustworthy point of view, and it's it's pretty great. The Milk Road is awesome. That's a great idea. The Milk Road. What is he recommending? I haven't read it yet because I don't like crypto, but Sarah's been reading it. And like, he'll just say like, people are tweeting out like, so the weird thing about crypto and NFTs is like, it's on Twitter. It's like in uh, groups that like, you have to be like on the inside to know what's legit. And so there's like these like stupid discourse groups, uh, discord groups, and uh, like these weird tweet Twitter folks where you got to like know who to follow. And he'll be like, Mm. blank is tweeting about blank. That's interesting because of, and then he'll explain. And so it's kind of interesting. I think what I think what's interesting about a lot of these side hustle ideas, and we we put together like top ones around crypto. If you're poor, meaning like if you want to be in crypto but you have nothing, you know, money, like there are a lot of ways to do it. Uh, and one of them is just documenting a lot of this stuff, right? Like you could start a newsletter, just like researching and putting out like, hey, here's things that are interesting that I'm seeing about it. Uh, and eventually, that's how you do become an expert in these different areas. How many? The other. Th- Go ahead. How many coaches do you have in your life? Oh, right now? Uh, Not as much. So I have a CEO coach. So there's a guy I've been working with named Ken Coleman out of the Bay Area. Um, What's what's the firm? Is is that Torch? Or is it? He's just an independent. So Ken's like old school. Like he's not tweeting. He's not on YouTube. Uh, He's just been around Silicon Valley in a lot of these different kind of companies. Um, And a lot of his stuff is very like, uh, it's like really obvious euphemisms. Like, Leaders, Noah. Leaders lead. He's basically like a dad. <laughs> I'm <sounds> like, like. <laughs> yeah, he's great, man. He's great. Uh, what other coaches have I do? And then I have like a CEO advisor. So this guy named Raj who works at Indeed. He's phenomenal. He's a little bit more operational. So I go to him with different people that were um, I'm like, yo, here's things that I'm seeing today. What do you think I should be doing about it? And so him, I have a Hebrew coach. Right now I'm looking for a squash coach. I've been really getting into squash. It's actually, that's kind of been a harder coach to find. So I, uh, um, I you like, you've always been into coaches and you've always done less. I love you've always coaches, done man. lessons. And so like, you've always, you've always had like flight lessons or like, Oh yeah. Bo- I think you used to do boxing. And so after we started boxing's on Friday, I still and do so it. So after I talked to you, I started hiring coaches and coaches are pretty sick. So I've got a bunch of them now and they are badass. It is absolutely up to all my, most, all my coaches are fitness related. But like, if I do mm. want to learn something, I always hire a coach now. It's 100% the way to go. 
Dude, I love, I'm glad that's cool to hear that, man. Hold on, so you have you have fitness coach? Well, for your boxing, I have like a boxing, fitness? yeah, and like we like and so he's because I'm I'm like trying to fight and like prepare for a real match, and so he's like helping me, and then I have a fitness coach as well, and then for a little while I did my body tutor, but I have a different nutritionist now, so yeah, like I'm all about coaches. I, I think we're for people, especially if you don't have money to to do something like that, it's it's more also like how do you just get someone to hold you accountable? Right. At the end of the day, like one of the things I, I found really helpful was just having an accountability buddy. So if you're trying to start a hustle, if you're trying to be healthy, um, if you can't afford a coach, like that's an easy way to find someone who just help you make sure that you you're going on your path. What do you use? Like maybe it's in your the hustle Facebook group. What do you use to track all your all your stuff that you have going on? Like, like you have two or three or four coaches at any point. You've got your work. You've always got shit going on. Do you have some weird way that you track all this? I track all of it. I think the, I mean, I just have, most of my stuff is just automatic. So I don't really have to track it. Meaning that like every Friday, like my calendar is, is pretty much as automatic as possible. And I think I've talked about this in the past, like it's color coded, right? So every Friday at 10 AM is boxing. So that's just automatic. And then generally flying is going to be every other week and that's yellow. So that's one of my learning. And then Hebrews on Thursdays, Therapy is Wednesday, every other Wednesday at 11. That's yellow. So yellow is my learning category. I do squashy steamy where we play squash and go to the steam room. Uh, that's not really with a coach. But I, I think if you can have more things on autopilot so you don't have to think about it, then you don't have to track it. The only thing I, I think I actively aggress, not aggressively, but I've tracked for 15 years is my personal finance. What do you, what do you use so for that? So every single, I use a spreadsheet. Everyone so does. if you go to, I think on, yeah, okdork.com, where's my money? Uh, it's literally just like, what's my assets? What's my liabilities? Uh, and then what are some action items I want to take in the next 30 days? Do you, when, when you're tracking any of that, do you count privately held stock as anything? Um, and then we can talk about AppSumo KPIs because there's some interesting stuff, how we track there and then the YouTube tracking. So more business related stuff. Um, in my net worth sheet, I only track the cost basis. Well, but, but, so but, I don't track like how, how do you have a valuation? No, no. So I literally just track how much I invested in it. So I invested in like Circle, invested in Buffer, invested in LMNT, Huckberry. Um, I only invest in companies I use. I don't invest in anything I don't use. Um, and so I just track that like I put $10,000 in and that's just what it is. I don't track like the appreciation on that at all. Buffer's an interesting company. So Buffer, when I was, when so a lot of people who listen to this show are young. When I was like younger when I was younger, when I was 24, 25, Buffer was the most badass company because they did this thing where they revealed all of their revenue. And at the time, that was like revolutionary. Um, like some small-time bloggers were doing it, but Buffer started doing it. But their company has totally stalled, hasn't it? Ugh. Like their revenue... That's a tough one, like man. like $25 million like... every single year for like the last three years. Yeah, I invested in them because I love Leo, I love Joel. They're, I mean, they're very innovative at the time. I think what people don't give like Zuckerberg and some of these people credit for is how do you stay relevant and consistent? Same with Tim Ferriss. Like, how do you stay relevant for 15 years? It's very easy to come out hot, but to actually kind of have that stuff. Um, how does Zuck do it? You know, for anyone out there. Well, I think for anyone, it's just like you have to stay consistent with it and you have to kind of keep staying on that edge of where you're a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I think with Buffer, there's, they basically, my, my guess is that they hit a market saturation of how valuable that is for people to pay for their tweets. Yeah. I'm and looking at their like, revenue maybe it's not now, as valuable way, to It's gone down since 2019. Yeah. I mean, I think they haven't, well, here's the interesting thing. They've gone down, but Canva is a $40 billion company. 
And it's pretty much the exact same but thing. Canva? What's the difference? Canva is, that- is the same thing as Buffer? Are you on drugs? What are you talking about? Canva's amazing. Canva? It's the same thing. It's how do I create content that I can then share or post in other places? But I think where they evolved past Buffer, which Buffer was like, I'm going to help you make your content for Twitter, Twitter or Facebook, which really didn't make a difference. And then Canva's like, well, what if we can help you make these templates that you can just use in social media, but as well through a lot of other categories? And so I think that's kind of like market size is where they, I think, iterated better than, but not iterated, but picked a better market. Same as AppSumo. We got lucky with this market. Canva is going to be, like software just got, Canva's going to be one of the most valuable uh, publicly traded companies, I think, in the world when they go public. Dude, have you seen their numbers? They've just crossed a billion no. in revenue and it's like doubling. Really? Yes. Canva is killing it, man. They've raised money at a $40 billion valuation because they grew the revenue from $500 million to a billion in a year. And it's on a tear, man. Canva's amazing. That is bonkers, man. Canva is wow. crazy. Right. And th- what's crazy is the founders are husband and wives and they bootstrapped it for a long time. And so the husband and wife trio or a couple is worth like 15 or $20 billion right now. Good for them, man. It's nuts, Good for man. Them. Canva is a crazy story. We're going to have to cover Canva sometime because... They, yeah, they're growing like a, a weed. To, I have no idea how they grow so fast. One one thing I did want to come back on, Sam, I was talking to Mitchell on the back end. Um, one thing that I do in tracking that when I've told people, they always find it pretty interesting is like I do monthly life and reviews. I told no. you about this every month. Yeah, it's actually been I mean, it's kind of dude. So every month and this is I've done this now for about seven years. Um, and it's basically an email I sent to Tynan, Nick Gray and my buddy Jimmy and Leo and you basically just review your past month. And you, I actually started sending it to like my brother, my buddy Johnny, and a lot of a few other close friends. But it's pretty fascinating to track what's happened in a month. And um, it's been fun to go back super like years ago to see what was happening in my life. But it's also interesting to be like, okay, look at all the photos from the month. What happened in the month? What can I understand about myself? And then what do I want to have upcoming in this in for me January? What do you? But I think that's been one. So what I'll what I'll do reveal in that email. I'm gonna copy that. So you you have photos, yeah, yeah. So I'll just tell you. So let me. Did. So I don't share my photos, but basically what I'll do is I'll pull up my photos uh, from December, look through December to the end. And I'm like, damn, a lot of hap- a lot of stuff happened versus what I think happened. Um, I'll start the so let me just start the December one. I put December was a fucking month, uh, six out of ten. Um, it may not be my greatest, but maybe it was actually better than I think. And then I'll start the email with what are the things I said I was going to do December and how did I do against them? So a few of them was like at peace with my drinking uh, and my, I was not at peace with my drinking. I said, I'd go to a Niners game, which I did Um, lock in my 2022 bucket list, which I did. And then I'll just try to do like a little bit more of a stream of consciousness reviewing of how the month actually went about themes, work, travel, family. I've tried it with categories and I've tried also just free flowing. There's not whatever works for you. I think the important thing here is having like a group of people that you can send it to that don't even have to give you feedback. Like they don't, you don't need their opinion, but it's just like, here's my life. How's your life? And if you want opinions, you can ask. Would you ever make that public? And then also, this is way too raw to make public. It's like, um, such good content. I would love to like to read. Oh, this, I mean, I'll send you, I'll send you the December one. Just don't share it, but it's just like, well, I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm thinking like, would I do that as a blog? It's pretty cool. The end of year reviews for a lot of people. The reason why I started thinking about Syed recently, that guy, the word, WP beginner guy is because he has this end of year review and I mm. always love reading his end of year review. Oh, I didn't really see I'll look him up. Um, some of this stuff has like 
we did this like wild therapy out in Mexico on the beach, which was just like psychedelics and that, uh, some of the stuff is just really sensitive. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if I'd want to make it public. I'll, I'll send Let you. Let me this ask so about that really quick, and then we'll wrap up. But did that stuff make a difference? Do, just don't doing psychedelic therapy, which I I told a story about how I almost did it one time, but I got kicked out of the group. Did Where it? Did get kicked out? This lady used to work at Lehman Brothers. She was like worked at the banks that like helped destroy America at one point. And she got mad at us for talking about money too much. And like she was saying how like her medicine needs to be free for the world, but was making me pay $2,000. And I was like, lady, you realize how like contra- or how like hypocritical you are. Like you're talking about like how capitalism ruins everything. But you're like you worked at Lehman Brothers and like you're making me pay you two grand to do drugs with you. Like, come on, like don't act like your shit don't stink. And she kicked me out of the group. So I didn't get to, I didn't get to actually do it with her. You couldn't have your self-improvement. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. She didn't let me do drugs with her. Um, I do want to end. Mitchell was, Mitchell was messaging me. He's like, yo, you got to do your favorite purchases or website. Wait, but tell me really quick. Did the therapy work? So I've done a lot of different therapy. Like I've done ayahuasca, which I put, a, I put that article out that went viral. And have you read that article? Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, the takeaway was like, it was cool. Like it made somewhat of a difference, but like it wasn't that great. Um... No, it's definitely impactful. It's just intense. I mean, I think what, you know, there's a lot of different ways to eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. Why I always think um, the it was LSD therapy. And um, I think the main theme that I took away from that specific experience, well, a theme in general for me is like, how much should we have life be super predetermined? Like, I want to go make this much money or I want to go on this vacation versus how much should we just let the day like unfold? And uh, I think that's where that was definitely a theme I was trying to just understand. I think the big theme from that specific experience was like, how do I let more joy in my life? Mm. Right? Like my word of the year is smile. Like I, yeah, I think it's good to have an intent. Email. Yeah. Like to have an intent or something the year. And for me, smile, just like, yo, just enjoy it. Right. We're all going to die someday. Just like enjoy the grind. Enjoy getting to ha- chat with you today, which, you know, I was like, this is probably the highlight of my day. Well, yeah. I have a buddy coming at six 30, but I was like, I really want to talk to Sam today. Like I'm looking forward to it. Can- um, so that was the main theme for, from that experience. I think there's a lot of ways to learn about ourselves. I think, you know, MDMA or LSD therapy, regular therapy, journaling. There's a lot of different ways, you know, whatever is calling people at the right time. What are your, uh, all right, Mitchell was telling, telling, he also told me this, or he wrote it in the thing about best stuff to buy for under $100. You and I are the same in that we buy lots of crap just because like we're, we're both obsessed with gadgets. (laughs) Um, By the way, you sent me over. So I told Noah I was going to go camping and he sent me over this massive Tupperware container with like all these gadgets there was candy in there that expired in like 2012. <laughs> like I went camping. Did you use any of the gadgets in there? You I went, in yeah, there? I went camping and I used your lantern and I used like one of the flashlights and a headlamp. And uh, I saw I, I found some Swedish fish or something like that. But it like expired oh. like years ago. Oh. I'm more of a Sour Patch Kid guy now. That's what it was. Sorry, it was Sour Patch Kids. It was it was oh, like really? it was I mean, it was that type of candy. Yeah. Huh. Um, different purchase. I, I don't know. I was trying to pull up some of the different things that I've bought that I'm like, man, I like these and I use them a lot. Um, let's start dude, with the cold like a- plunge though. The cold plunge. I didn't buy it. I was cheap. gifted it. It was expensive as shit. It was like five grand. Um, but in my opinion, if you want to be cold, it, it it's a pretty cool gadget. I like it. I just, I guess the question is that like, I think retail is 5k. I pay. So this, I think you'll appreciate this. I hit them up and I said, Hey, I'm a social media influencer, which I find ironic. Oh my God. I, 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 I say that as a mockery. I didn't actually say that. I was like, hey, I mentioned your product. Can I actually just pay cost? 
and then I'll promote it. Cause I figure like, I want to support them as a business. So right. I think for people out there that want to get free crap, like just pay cost, you get it a lot cheaper and you can promote it if you like it. That's good. Um, I like it, but I don't know. Is it worth 3k? Probably not. I like my, I've been using the bathtub and the hot tub a lot more often. You have a hot are, tub? I didn't know you had a hot tub. Come over. Yeah, come over. I'll do a little workout. Oh, um, dude, here's the thing that I think people are sleeping on, but some people are using it. Have you used Apple AirTags? I just got one. They're pretty great. Dude, they're like secretly amazing. Like I throw it in my luggage and in my backpack. So if it ever gets lost in like travel or if someone ever jacks my backpack, there's like a little secret tag in there. Dude, I've been using tiles for years, but the tiles are only okay. The AirTags are What's the difference? I never use those. Just the interface and how loud the beep is. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I, just the, just those two things. They're pretty, dude, you can actually, uh, I haven't messed with 3D printers too much, but Tynan, he puts out a, dude, Tynan's gear list. If you don't check out Tynan.com's gear list, definitely one of the top gear lists ever. Like in terms Spell of like that. T-Y-N-A-N.com. So his gear list is awesome. He has like a lot of USB stuff and like what's the smallest charger to be using. Um, but he, what you can do, which is crazy on Etsy, this is a really neat hack. You can buy a, a 3D printed thing where you can put an Apple AirTag and then secretly attach it to any of your bikes. So if you're a biker, for like 15 bucks, you can buy a secret thing that it attaches to your water bottle and no one will ever know it's there. So you have a tracker on any of your expensive bikes. Oh, that's sick. But does the AirTag, so the AirTag only works so if it's in within Bluetooth of a, an iPhone? Of any iPhone. That, I think that's where there's a little bit of like controversy, but it's any Apple device. That's that crazy. Has internet connection. All right. I think is it internet connection or Bluetooth mesh connection? I, think it, I, I thought know. it was Bluetooth. Which is kind of like fucked up if you think about it. Bonkers. Right? Dude, uh, well, I mean, there's these stories where like someone put it on someone's car and then they're tracking them home. I think that's obviously like that's messed up. Um, but I think just the technically like it's just a fun tool to start playing with and just start experimenting with. All right. So what um, else have you gotten? Dude, you know what I've gotten really into? Tea. Why? I'm like, I don't know, man. I've been into like Chinese tea. So I bought um, a Snow Peak bottle. It's called Snow Peak is the brand. It's like super uh, good for like travel and stuff. And then I buy, um, it's called a Guy Wan. I can't believe I'm talking about this publicly. I don't know. It's just so nerdy. It's like what creepy white dudes do. Um, <laughs> I mean, you are and These Guy Wans, you have like a little Chinese tea ceremony. And it's really inexpensive. You can go to AliExpress, buy it for like 10 bucks. Um, and I bought a, a travel one, actually. So you, I have one for home, which you can buy on AliExpress for like literally 10 bucks. Or from Keith Titanium, you can buy a guy one that's for camping that's like 200 bucks. Uh, so when I travel, I'll bring tea around and I get it from this place in the Bay Area called Old Ways Tea. Is it? Well, yeah, oldwaystea.com. That has definitely been something I'm uh, way more hyped on. And I've definitely been drinking a crap ton more tea this year. Um, a, a good thing that I bought recently, which I'm almost positive you have as well. What brand chair do you have? I think this is an autonomous. Same. We have the exact same one. So, uh, a so basically these chairs that I was looking at, they're like $1,500, like a fancy chair, like a, are they really an Aeron? I think it's called, uh, it's like 1200 to two G's. They're really expensive. And so Autonomous is a new startup that's making chairs and desk supplies. And it's basically as good, I think, as the really fancy one, but for like 350 bucks. Yeah, these are definitely affordable. One thing I'm th one thought I've had, Sam, is like, what have you bought in your life that you're like, man, this is luxurious. I was trying to think of things that I'm like, 
Like I bought this Levi's jacket because it's getting cold in Austin. It's got the little fur. It was $89. And I probably looked for a coupon. And I'm like, yo, this is like, I look like a cowboy, like a real cowboy. This is obviously kind of a joke. Um, and so I was just trying to think like, what are other items in my life where I'm like, man, I can't believe how rich I am, even though it's not that expensive. And definitely that jacket Question. is an example. Dude, Amazon. Oh, you have these Amazon basic moccasins. I got those because of you actually. Yeah, they're sick. Dude, right? those are 20 bucks. I'm like, I walk around my house. I'm like, who's the king? Who's the king? I love that. Um, uh, one thing that oh, we that do at my house is we do Costco socks. And we'll buy like 50 pairs and just never match socks again. And then at the end of a, at the end of like half the year or so, we just throw away all the, the socks and get new ones because like if they wear out or if, cause I, I hate matching socks. And so oh, really? I hate, you know, like it's just stupid. Why, Why do I got to like spend all this time, like putting them in a ball together? Like just give me like a huge bin where they're all the same and I'll just grab two. It's stupid. Mm. Matching socks is stupid. I'm I, I I take a stand against that, and so anyway, I just don't match socks anymore, and so that's my splurge. Is I uh, I spend like two hundred dollars a year, and I just get fancy new socks. Also, another thing that I do that's pretty amazing is I do the same that same thing, but with ex aficionado underwear. So like you know like oh, when you like dude. you know when you put underwear on, and there's like a pair that's always like the last to be used because like the band is all stretched out, or you just like don't like it, or it's like stained, or it looks ugly. Like you're just not about it. So I just threw all those away and I only bought one style, one color, but like 30 pairs. And I spent like $500 to do it because ex aficionado underwear is like 20 to $25 a piece. Dude, I only wear Saks underwear. I think it's the same kind of same kind of thing, but it's got the whole little ball holder stuff. I like those too. I like Saks. They're a good brand and they don't stretch out as fast, but they still do wear out a little bit. I definitely feel pretty luxurious in them. Do you ever mess with Lululemon socks? Yeah, I'm all about anything Lululemon. Dude, Lululemon socks, like these no-show socks, because they always, all the other no-show always get holes in them. And I'm always just like frustrated about that. But the Lululemon ones. Um, Tom, what other stuff have you bought that you're like, yo, this is rad. And I do want to spend at least five minutes. I know we're going to end here. Um, I want to spend five minutes. Like, how do we grow your podcast? Let's like brainstorm. Like, I know that's something you're, you're aiming to do. So let's do one or two more of these items. And like, I don't know. Let's have well, like let, a let me, all right, let, let's do that now. Let me tell you the numbers now. So in December, we did... Uh, right about 2 million views um i think or 2 million downloads uh of which like i think 600,000 was on youtube and the rest so 1.4 million was just people going on to itunes or spotify okay so what's your those are what's numbers. your current goal do you have a goal this year around the the, the audience or podcast yeah i think 3 3 million uh, consistently getting at least 3 million downloads a month would put us in like the top like five business podcasts in the, in the country. What, what's been the biggest thing that's helped you grow it? This is like the way I don't know, I'm just kind of brainstorming with you here. What's, what's helped you get the biggest Delta and new subscribers? So one of the shitty parts about podcasting is that I've done a lot of growth stuff. It's been crazy hard to grow it. And so the biggest thing that's done well is We've just invested more time and more energy into good content. So Sean and I like prepare. We research a ton. Our our chemistry has gotten better. So that's just like one big category of just like improved content. The second thing that we've done that's starting to work really well is we're buying ads on other people's podcasts. And so we've learned this strategy from Jordan Harbinger. Jordan Harbinger has 15 million downloads a month. Of course, he's in like a big category, just like culture, I think is the category he's in. And he basically spent $900,000 in his first year buying ads on other people's podcasts. And that's how he got big. Hmm. Okay. 
Um, you should sponsor okay my my podcast, or I'll just put you. I'm, I mean, you're coming on next week for free. Well, I'll here's, sponsor here's a it question. For sure. Yeah, I mean, how many downloads and episodes one, do you get? No, I think it's about ten thousand an episode, dude. So like, we're I, we're a little bit bigger than that now, but like, just getting to ten thousand is really hard. Podcasts, do you agree? Are podcasts the hardest thing you've ever tried to grow? I that's why I backed out of it. That's why I went to YouTube. Dude, it's so hard, but it's super sticky. Like every podcast that we launch is going to get at least 50,000. Every episode will get at least 50,000 views, I think. All right. Here's like a one simple thing that I'm, I don't know why you don't do on your. I, I think one of the ways to think about it, one, it's always easy to get people to come from medium to medium. So podcast sponsoring means they come from one show to the other yeah. super easier. How come you don't promote your podcast or newsletter on YouTube? Well, not so like I want to about the newsletter, but what do you mean? The podcast? Well, no, 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 no. So think about it as like a gateway drug. So. Someone on another podcast is highly likely to go to a different podcast because you already know that they're behavior-wise down. They're there. So sponsoring podcasts is a great one. Getting on other people's shows is a great one. But you're getting, like, you had a video recently where you got uh, How I Retired Over 20 Million by Age 31. Had a, has 140,000 views. But in the description, there's nothing that says, check out my newsletter or my podcast. Yeah, that's stupid. We should do, you're right. That's low-hanging fruit that we should have solved for. I would think that's a pretty easy one. And then... um. On your about page on YouTube, you don't link to the podcast. Really? Are you sure? Yeah. It says website. Well, it says website. Where does that go? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay. It says website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I might want to actually just put the link for podcast. Uh, I would also consider, I mean, this might be more of a stretch, but I would consider, do you strategically try to really intentionally grow YouTube and or TikTok? Pick one of those, probably YouTube. And then really think of that as a way to get people into your newsletter, which is like the first step to getting them onto your podcast. No, it's been uh, the other way around. Uh, like lately we've been, go for it. my first million has become like almost its own brand. I think, yeah. here's what I think is going to happen. I think in the future, like in within one to three years, me and Sean and HubSpot, I think what we're going to do is sell the podcast or do some type of licensing deal. Uh, there's like no reason for me to think this other than this is just like Dude, a crazy like prediction. This. I think that we're going to do some type of crazy... Li- There's a world where we would do a crazy licensing deal. I'm tr- HubSpot's a public company, so I'm not actually... Just so everyone knows, I'm just fucking guessing. Like, I'm not... This is not based on anything. HubSpot maybe would do a thing where in three or five years, we do some type of licensing deal with like Spotify or whatever. You know, kind of like the Call Her Daddy uh, podcast did. Do you know what that podcast is? Call Her Daddy? Yeah. So they yeah. did a licensing deal for $60 million over three years. And I think there's a world where we would do that. Uh, with like Spotify or uh, one of the other big public uh, platforms. And I think that's, I like that as a creative home, but why did you say getting people to uh, come on to your, to, to like grow the YouTube channel or TikTok is not worth it or not as important. You were like, yeah, it's not good. Like, what do you mean there? Um, I, well, what we have found is that I think it's better to grow to send people straight to the podcast because if they cl- if they click subscribe, then they're notified whenever there's a uh, four minutes. They're they're notified whenever there's a new episode. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, so, but don't you think like like the amount of people available on the YouTube that are like, hey, I want to hear more about this, then come. On. I mean, think about how much like Joe Rogan got found because of YouTube. Well, and the second answer to that is, I mean, we're trying. It's fucking hard. If we're trying. I'm like the the efforts. If you look at our YouTube page, look at our videos. Like the efforts there, like they just don't get that many views all the time. It just is taking a long time. How, I mean, how many views? Look at our YouTube. How do you think it's going? In my yeah, opinion, I would say. Do you want recommendations? Yeah, I would say it's going okay, at best. 
Okay, so I think what you're, what you're doing is you're uploading podcasts to YouTube. You're not actually creating content that people watch on YouTube, right? So if you look at, at, at our channel, like YouTube, OK Dork, um, the content is like made for YouTube. So the two things that I would, I would tell your team, here's what I would recommend you to do. Over the next like three months, look at your CTR, like the click-through rate of all these different videos, and that'll basically show you if you're picking the right topics. And then I, as well, your thumbnails What's are- What's the baseline? Uh, if you can hit a 5% CTR, you're, you're doing very well. You're doing very, very well. So like, would you say so, three to five is decent? I mean, three is decent. I think if you want to get to five. You want to be it. like hitting a really high number. Yeah. So like our recent like awesome videos are hitting five. Um, so I would, aim, I would basically just start tracking your CTR, your click-through rate on these things. And the second thing you want to be, this is just the, the start with this stuff is that I think this is a way of expanding the pie that people find out about you. And then they're like, oh, in your description about page, go to the newsletter, go to the podcast, which I would just update your top 10 videos here. You don't need to do all of them, but do them moving forward. The second thing is your, your average view duration. So the, the Hassan Minaj one had, it's a two hour video. There's a reason it got 26,000 views. It's because it's long as hell. And I'm guessing your average view duration was like 20 minutes. How many does that have? 20,000? 26,000. Wow. Where, you know, the serial killer got busted through 23 me. One, I don't know how that's relevant to people making a million. It's not. Put that on your own channel. Bro, come wrong. on. Don't blame me for all this stuff. I'm, uh, You're Who's in charge? I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, okay, well, anyways, I think the second thing is just look at your average view duration. Do the same thing. Just look at a line graph. So like, how are we trending? And, and don't worry about super optimizing. Just worry like each month or so. Can we try to get both those numbers moving in an upward direction? Any other thing? I think you were able to do, do that. What's that? Anything else we should do? I mean, your, your thumbnails aren't really... How Dude, much, I'm pretty like, sure we're using your thumbnail guy. Yeah, it might be the thumbnail guy, but you're like, how much are you actually spending to make a great thumbnail? So like every one of our thumbnails now, we go and do custom photos. So at 4.30, I'm literally, it's the third time going out with a photographer to take a thumbnail for the same video. Dude, that's so much work, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? There's so yeah. much work to make it like a, a YouTube video. I just dismiss it as like, oh, you're just fucking around. It's so much more work than I thought. Yeah. To, to be good. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to say some cliche shit. Anything great is worth working on. Do you feel on. like an it's idiot, though, of... on the side of the street doing this face where you're like hands on your head and you're like <laughs> freaking out about the 2022 stock market and how it's going to go down? Well, I think, I mean, the other thing with, no, it's honestly enjoyable and I find it kind of like a science. It's like a game where like, it, it's a game more even than a science. Like, how do I win this game? And doing that, it gives me an advantage. So hell yeah, I want to do it. And I find it enjoyable. I think, you know, topics, you should also just kind of consider the topics you're putting out on YouTube. Like, how much do authors make? It's not something that I think people are really like going to immediately stop and drop everything to watch. But like Solana billionaires right now, crypto and NFT and stuff like that and how to get rich is, is always popular on YouTube. But dude, so we're not you making kind of YouTube specific content. We're just like, whenever we talk, we're just going to chop, we just chop shit up. So like it, what we could do is like have pre-planned topics that we think would go get popular on YouTube. It's just I a little bit a harder stronger. to do that naturally in a conversation, but I think we can do it. But yeah, our goal, like I'm predicting the future, we're going to get to like the 3 million range by the end of the year. And once there, um, I, th I think we're going to be end up being like one of the big, I think we'll be like in the Dave Ramsey, Tim Ferriss category inside the next year and a half. Here's it. Oh, yeah, we, we can end it. But one thing I find fascinating is there's people who are huge on YouTube that no one knows, but a lot of people know who Tim Ferriss is. Kind of something I don't know, I've just been reflecting on. What does that mean? Well, he's been in the game forever. And he also entered the game when the world was smaller. So like in the niche of mm. like tech and startups there and, and this whole like make money online thing, 
there weren't that many people on it. And there weren't that many people who were famous for it. And he was definitely one of the first that was famous for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. As the world gets bigger, it's also getting known in your niche. Like, I have a friend who's popular in the spearfishing category. How popular? So I, I think, as, what's that? He's got How? like a few hundred thousand followers on TikTok. He's what got a full-time sick. business now. It's called... Dude, uh, sick. Um, cast, cast. It's called Dude, Cast fuck Groupon for nerds. I want to be a spearfish influencer. This guy's cool as shit, man. If you ever want to go spearfishing. But I, I think what's, what fascinates me about him is like, He's on TikTok. He just does this. You know, you talked about this in the beginning where you documented your house. He likes spearfishing and he likes fishing. And so he just started videoing it, put it on TikTok, got like, I think he's, how many followers do you have on TikTok and YouTube? I think he's got like 200,000 cast and spear, 285,000 followers. He texted me yesterday. I don't want to say his revenue, but he's got a, you know, not a seven figure, but a pretty healthy business selling spearfishing gear now. Holy so I moly. think instead of getting big at Tim where maybe people are responding, I want to be known or I'm an expert. Or I've got imposter syndrome. Just like do the thing you're already excited about, document that. And I think people will be shocked that they can make a lot of money doing it. Like my brother, he does insurance claims for hospitals. Are you talking about this? No. So when you go to the hospital, you get a bill and the hospital has to fight with the insurance company about how much to pay. Yeah. So he reviews the bill to optimize to make sure that the, the insurance company pays the full amount. Okay. Because he can be like, no, they didn't need to do this procedure. They need to do this. And now he's, so I think one of the things is what do you have in your day job that you can make a business out of? And so he's exploring how to help individuals optimize the, well, not optimize, but reduce their medical bills. So if you got a medical bill and it's like 5,000 or 1,000 or 10,000, he'll review it for free and then maybe take a cut if he's able to reduce the amount of money that. uh, That's actually a great idea. There's this company called buyer.co and my friend started it and it was called negotiating as a service. And they would negotiate anything on your behalf and take a percentage of the savings. And the company sold to Ramp. So if you go to buyer.co, it, it redirects to that web, the company you said you don't like, Ramp. And uh, It's not that I hate him. I just don't think doing very much. And Buyer, it, it, the guy who started it, he's like, I sold out too early, but I didn't have any money. And it was like a cool way to make money. But um, he was like, I, this could actually be great. I would do like a negotiating, negotiating as a service and have um, my health bill be one of the big ones. Uh, another great company is called Do Not Pay, and they're doing this, but for uh, a variety of different things. Oh yeah, I saw that. I like Do Not Pay. Yeah, Do Not Pay the the robot. Lawyer. There's also like Vendor.com. Vendor's like a similar one. You give them your bills, they negotiate, and they just take a cut of whatever they say. Dude, about. I love those services. I love no brainer yeah, services. Win win. Win win. No one's down. Like QuickBooks or uh, not Quick in, uh, TurboTax. Mint. Yeah, Turbo, uh, TurboTax is a little. It's like, oh, it's free, it's free, it's free. Guess what? If you really want it, it's paid. I feel but, like they don't, like, but they don't take money from you. They just take a percentage of your re- refund. Yes. Which I like. Yeah, right. that's fair. So I, I did want to say, though, dude, honestly, for your show, because other people out there that are trying to do it, I think, obviously, you said go on other people's shows, podcasts. I think optimize these low other, these other platforms. Um, We're going hard and, on the you know, TikTok I, thing. The TikTok thing definitely has worked. But has it driven people? I think ultimately you have to see, is it helping me with my goal? Is it driving people to the podcast? Unfortunately, I have no idea. That's another shitty part about podcasts is it's hard to know what works because I can look at my charts and see how many downloads we have. It won't tell me how they heard about us. It's not like Google Analytics where I can see like the person who bought this came from Google because they searched blank on this type of phone. Have you done uh, URL Genius? No, we've done Chartable. Is that the same thing? Well, URL Genius is, I think we use this on our show sometimes. It's uh, app.urlgene.us. It's deep linking. So it'll link deeply into the podcast on Spotify. I don't know if it does iTunes as well. And then you could track, I think, 
how those clicks are actually looking. So you can put that on TikTok or put that out on the, the YouTube world. Hmm, I didn't know about that. All right, I'll look into that. Um, All right, Samuel. We're going to wrap up. I love seeing you. Dude, thanks for doing this. You look good. Dude, thanks for having me. Did How many people reached out from the last one? It got Ben messaged me. He said it got 65,000 or 70,000 views. Really? Yeah. Dude, you guys are, man. Yeah. I told you the first time I ever came on your show, I had like an ex, this girl I went on a date with was like, I can't believe you're on the show. Yeah, he messaged me. He said he got 65,000 views or downloads. All right, I think this one, thank you for having me, man. This is excellent. All right, we'll talk in a little bit. Talk soon.